Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. everybody uh this is your host scott jarvis and you are listening to episode 19 of the loaded gloves boxing podcast uh with me today as always is my co-host victor atkinson uh, how you doing today man i'm all right man how about yourself uh, not too bad actually for a change uh we've got a ton of ton of shit to cover this week uh and we'll start with the uh the card that was on uh showtime which was Showtime presents the PBC. Uh, in the main event, we had uh, uh, Jared Hurd versus Eris Landalora in a 12-round IBF uh, WBA junior middleweight unification bout. Uh, now, this was about, uh, or a fight rather, that I wasn't, oh, I, there was some intrigue for me, but I wasn't too, too high on it as, as some other people were, Victor, uh, just because of uh, Eris Landalora. Um, he's been in a lot of shitty fights over the course of his career, especially as of late over the last few years. Um, but I got to tell you, man, even though Jarrett Hurd dropped him late in the 12th round and then won a, a 12 round split decision, uh, I, Laura showed, showed me something at least that, uh, I didn't know he had before he, you know, he was willing to stand in the pocket and, and trade with her to, you know, to try to make something happen. Um, and he didn't rely a lot on his legs or his movement, um, which was, I think, a delight to everybody watching. Um, what did you make of the fight, man? Laura's legs are gone. There's a reason why he didn't do that. It's because he physically can't. He's 34 years old right now. It's just getting older. That's actually one of the first things to go. It's going to make for some exciting fights now because he can't rely sure. on it. He's going to like have to stay in the pocket, but he's getting old, sure. and this is what happens at that stage. I thought that he was going to have enough to just stay away from Hurd and just pot shot him because Hurd is so defensively poor that you can use that strategy <laughs> and just win like fucking 12 rounds straight on his ass, but he he can't. I had it a much closer fight than you did. I had it if it wasn't for the knockdown, I would have had it a draw. Really? I heard up by one point. Yeah. I mean, this is wow. not that easy of a fight to score, though. A lot of rounds were just pretty yeah. close to decided. Just as a preference thing, but as far as like clean, effective punching, I went with Laura for most of the rounds. Not merciful rounds, but you know. I yeah, I had it. That. <sighs> yeah, I know a lot of people did, uh, and I had it just so that the listeners know, in case they didn't see it on my timeline uh, Saturday night. I had it one sixteen to one twelve for Hurd, uh, and I scored the tenth round ten ten um, because, like you said, Victor, just a moment ago, there was there was a lot of rounds that could have went either way. Uh, most of those rounds I gave to Hurd because I tend to favor aggression, um, you know, more than anything else. But I thought I thought Hurd throughout the majority of the fight was the ring general or was the guy making the fight, but like you said, could have went either way on, 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 on 
you know, a lot of those rounds and, and Laura made, you know, came, came to win. He wasn't there to, 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 to move out of the way. And like you said, he probably couldn't anymore. Um, but, uh, it was a pretty entertaining fight. I don't know that I would put it in my fight of the year candidate category. I didn't mark it down on my uh, spreadsheet that I have for that or for this fight, but, uh, I, I definitely think that it's, it's going to be one of the better fights of the year when the year is, you know, when, when we're closing things out at the end of December, um, now, but that was actually my, ne- my my next question for you, Victor, was how much of, of Laura's performance do you attribute to uh, his legs just being completely gone and his reflexes being dulled? And how much of that is, is him coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the pocket and try to take uh, the puncher's, you know, short game away because that's her, you know, main weapon. That's, his, those are his big guns. Um, and you think that was mainly due to just Laura being a faded version of himself? Yeah, if this was Laura's game plan, then Laura's fucking retarded. That would be the absolute <laughs> worst thing she could possibly do. So, yeah, I, I don't it think was Laura funny was because stupid, so. no, well, it was funny because when I was watching the first couple of rounds, I thought, okay, and we were seeing you know a different kind of Aris Landy Laura in there. Uh, I thought, all right, maybe his team knows something that that I don't or that we you know the the boxing public doesn't. You know, maybe there, there's there's something to this. This this approach, but then as is the round three, four, and five came around, I started to think like you just said. I thought, what the fuck is this guy thinking? <laughs> and then I thought, I can't wait to talk to Victor because I have a feeling Eris Laura Eris Laura not only can no longer move the way he used to and doesn't have the reflexes he once had, but that he and his team knows it, and you know they knew that their only shot here was to come in straight at hurt and try to, you know, to, to make something happen maybe early or something dramatic happen at any point in the fight. But, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I thought, uh, how, how good did you think the fight was entertain for its entertainment value? I mean, I wouldn't say fight of the year or anything like that, but it was a solid sure. fight. I enjoyed watching it. I was surprised that that was the fight I liked the most. The <laughs> other two fights were, man, look, <sighs> I had to watch the Laura fight today because I fell asleep on that card. Uh, you're not the only one, man. You're not the only one. Uh, I was, uh, and we'll go over the other two fights in just a few moments, but I, when it, going into the main event, you know, I was dozing in and, or dozing in and out of sleep uh, throughout the first two fights, especially the second fight, the, the Truax to Gale fight. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I get pumped, I get pumped for the main event and it was a unification bout. So, you know, my wife was like, why don't you go to bed and, and just, watch it in the morning. You know, it's on Showtime, On Demand, whatever. I said, no, I want to watch it. I like to be current. I like to talk with everybody online why everything's going on and whatnot. So I stayed up and, you know, I kind of got my second win there. But, yeah, man, those those first two fights were, were shit. And heading into this one, I thought, oh, my God, it's an Aris Landy-Laura fight. And I don't know if Hurd's going to be able to catch him or land anything meaningful. And it turned out, like you said, to be a, you know, kind of a big surprise, at least for me, because... I was I thought eh, it'll be an uneventful you know twelve round decision for one guy or the other. I wasn't sure, uh, even you know leading you know as as they were doing the fighter announcements, I still wasn't sure who was going to win. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. Those other two fights were were oh, Jesus, they were terrible. But uh, getting getting back to to her and Laura Victor, um, what did you make of uh, her's performance? Because I saw. Uh, not only 
good performance from from a capable guy, and we know he's a bit limited in some aspects or in many aspects. Um, but I also saw Hurd working on the inside and slipping a lot of punches and doing kind of some subtle things offensively that made me think maybe there's a little bit more to Hurd than than I originally thought. Um, how do you feel about that? No, Hurd is who no? we think he is. No, I mean like everyone actually does those things at some point in a boxing match. It's not okay. A lot of times Laura was catching Herb, which is like a straight left that wasn't even set up. Herb is just not defensively responsible at all. He's not a guy sure. that has good defense. He's just there and he's big. That's and he's like his relentless pressure, <laughs> that's another thing about him. But defensively he's not good at all. He's really bad actually. Well yeah, I was gonna say I have it here in my notes that I wanted to make sure I point out that he's he's very hittable. He's, he always seems like he's there to be hit or in position for something to land something big. Um, and Laura got him a few times, but he was – the what? It's cracking up. The microphone's cracking up again. I don't know if that's you or if it's Blog TV, though. It sounds uh, like it's so bad with it. You know what? It's it's I, well. I've got I've got a new soundboard and I've got a five hundred dollar microphone sitting right in front of my mouth. So it's got to be, it's got to be Bandwidth. either my my internet, yeah, or it's got to be something with Blog Talk. I'll have to talk to them. I'll have to listen. To, I usually don't listen to our show after it airs unless there was you know something funny or or cool or yeah. annoying that happened. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'll have to go back and listen to that again uh, today. But thanks for the heads up there. Um, is it sounding a little bit better now? Right now, yeah, it was doing it like right just a couple of seconds ago, okay. like right this right now. Yeah. It's not that bad. I, I we have like uh, we have uh, Charter as our internet provider out here in 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 uh, so- Southern California, and they're fucking garbage. They're the worst. Like I get uh, I get sixty down is like their top package. I get sixty mm-hmm. down, and I get like four or five up, and it's always inconsistent. Like I can't mm. even game. I can't even game online properly when my when my PlayStation 4 is hardwired into my router. So that tells you that there's a problem. Um, I'm working on my desktop here, obviously, which is hardwired into the router as well. But, you know, 4 up is shitty. You know what I mean? To do something yeah. like this, I, I would love to have like 30 or at least 30 or 40 up, but they want to they charge me like an, another $1 or $200 a month for that shit, and I'm not going to do that. What? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's They're like, oh, you, know, you have to go from the residential to the business plan. It's like motherfucker are you kidding me you know what i mean when i before charter bought out time warner we had time warner here um and i was getting 300 down and 30 up which is pretty good you know by american standards or u.s standards uh it's shit compared to the rest of the the majority of the rest of the planet but you know i was i had the good life you know when it came to to internet connectivity um then after the buyout they downgraded everybody that they should have grandfathered in and you know, now you've got either 100 over, over 10, or you've got 60 over five, and both of those are shit. So, and and they charge us more for the for the, for the, the slower packages. So, you know, make it that what you will. I I hate Charter and I hate their their service and everything about them. So, uh, let's jump back into boxing, man. Um, uh, last couple of bits here on the the Herd and Laura fight. Um, we know that Herd is a limited fighter, um, and like you said. The slipping and the, some of the the little nuances he was doing on the inside um, are what are what most competent fighters do. Um, uh-huh. Now that said, Victor, um, where do you? I, I think Hurd, you know, given given his limitations, I I still believe that that Jarrett Hurd is going to be a problem for anyone at 154. Um, oh, most definitely that size. Yeah, I mean, we always say in boxing that a 
good big guy can actually end up beating a great little guy. And that's basically what Hurt is. He's a huge fucking fighter. So when you're up against that, <laughs> you can deal with something like that. And then that pressure that he puts on you, that's yeah. he's going to break a lot of guys down at 154. He's not going to have that much success yeah. moving up. But for right now, he's going to have a lot of success. Do you, do you think Hurt Hurd has, uh, has a legitimate shot against Charlo? Which one, Jamal or Jamal? Uh, 154 or 160. Yeah, 154, 154 or 160. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. 160 is. I don't think. I think Hurd would run into some big problems at 160. Yeah. No, against Jamel, he. That's a 50 50 fight to me. Okay. Mainly because of the size. Or they were both equal to size. I mean, Jamel isn't a small guy either, but he's not Hurd's size. But I feel like the size difference there isn't as big as the difference we saw between Laura and Hurd, you know? So I'm picking right. I'm picking Jermel, but to me that's closer. Fifty five forty five in Charlotte's favor is how I have it right now. Okay, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I know that, uh, and that kind of segues into the next question I was going to ask you. Um, where where do we see Hurd going from here? Where would we like him to go from here? Uh, I know that's that uh, Jermel. Yeah, Charlo was calling him out, but I, and it's an easy fight to make because both both guys mm-hmm. are PBC slash Heyman guys. But I'm not so sure. Given given uh, Heyman's track record or the PBC's track record, that we're going to get that right away. I think we'll eventually get it, if, provided both guys continue their winning ways. But uh, I kind of think Hurd is going to go. I think they're going to kind of steer clear of Charlo for now, and I think they're going to kind of target the the Ali Smith winner uh, that that's going down next month. Do uh, you think? What do you think about that? Do you think that's a possibility? That's a possibility, but if I'm if I'm the guy that's making the fights, I make Hurd versus Charlo as soon as possible, and I use that to propel the winner into like a bigger star. Well, you don't think unifying further against all the uh, the Ali or Smith, you don't think that would help build that fight? An eventual not, Charlo fight? Not really. I would just... I don't think anybody's going to care that much about the fight. You know, it's just one of those <laughs> things where... There's so many belts right now that people care more about the fighters than the belts. If that fight is a passion, right. I mean, look at look the fucking uh, Ryan Burnett. He has two belts, and nobody really gives that much of a fuck about it. You have to go right, through right. the fights themselves and not fighting because of the belt, you know, at this stage. Right, uh, which is a shame, at least in my opinion, because, you know, belts are important to me. Uh, you know, I like to see champions unify and, and defend, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I would be happy if he fought uh, either of those guys, or the, the you know the potential winner of Ollie and, and Smith. Um, mm-hmm. I just, God, I just don't know that 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 Heyman would put those two together so quickly. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see it happen, but I don't. I just don't know uh, that it does. And out, outside of those two fights, uh, there's always the you know the possibility of a Laura rematch. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of that, we've got Austin Trout. Which is easy to make, but he's kind of he's older now. He's on his way out. Uh, I mean, her just beat him. Are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I oh, mean, no, her no, just no. beat him and stopped him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I meant I meant the other guy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but we've oh, got okay. uh, and yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Um, and we've got uh, let's see, we've got uh, J Rock who just fought and won this past Saturday. Uh, Brian Castano uh, and Jack Colke. Um. And then I'm not sure how to pronounce the other name that I have on the list uh, that tie up in, in, in the – or that's ranked respectively at junior middleweight. Uh, miss, I, I don't even want to oh, try so to like pronounce it. 
Yeah, Sulecki. Yeah, I just can't pronounce his first name. Um, yeah. I don't know I think that after Sulecki fights Jake. Yeah, he's fighting Jacobs. I think after that fight, he's going to stay at 160. Sulecki's actually kind of big for 154, and I've never liked the idea of going back down in weight. Like even if he's generally fighting 154, he's going to gain to fight Jacobs at 160, and then since he's already a big right. guy, I don't think it's going to be good moving back down in 154. So I think we're going to see more Sulecki at 160. Okay, yeah, see, I kind of, I kind of thought the opposite. I thought uh, after Jacobs beats him, depending on the manner in which he beats him, uh, that Selecki might move back down, but I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you have to understand, right. if Jacobs just beats the share of Selecki, even then, Jacobs is a huge guy. Selecki's not going to lose because he's not built for middleweight. He's going to lose because Jacobs is either better than him or just bigger than him, but none of those are because Jacobs not a a normal 160 pounder. It's not a normal middleweight. He's big as fuck. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of like Hurd. Hurd looks like he belongs yeah, exactly. in with. He can stand next to Sergey Kovalev and, and and look like he. You know what I mean? Like he could be yeah. competitive oh. just just based on size. What's up? Yeah. Did you see the fight night weights for them? No, I did not. Okay, Showtime is definitely lying about them, or they're doing something wrong. <laughs> One of the two, because they said that Hurd only gained seven pounds and Laura only gained six pounds. So Laura, 160, Hurd, 161. That is definite bullshit. There is no way that, no, not possible at all. I'm not buying it. No, I you know, I agree with you, man. I didn't see it, but, you know, taking what you've told me at face value, if that's the case... I, I, I can definitely say, I mean, networks, you know what I mean? We see it all the time and we hear it all the time from, from their, you know, the, I call them their PR teams, their commentating teams, you know, sitting ringside calling the fight. It, you know, it's, they do anything to protect the house fighter or, or guys that, you know, are part of a, a promotional entity that they, they're contracted to work with. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I can definitely see something like that going down or having had happened, uh, which, yeah, I mean, her, I mean, forget Laura for a minute. Her just looked gigantic i mean not just in size but he looked to me he looked like a light heavyweight in there you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if he stepped on a scale it would have said 171 or 172 you exactly. know what i mean i just he sure as shit looked big one pound or sorry he sure as shit looked more than one pound bigger than laura i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean the size differential you know during the entire promotion was more than evident it was you know it was kind of like whoa you know yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I think Hurd will definitely stay at 154 for the majority of his career, whether he's successful there or not. But I think that, uh, I, like we said today, and and you know, a couple of weeks back on a show that uh, as he moves up, he's going to become less and less effective. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Um, did you have anything else to add to the Hurd Laura fight? Not really. I think we covered pretty much everything I want to talk about for that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, real quick, I did want to ask, uh, where do you think, what, what happens to Eris Landy Laura if there's no rematch and her oh, just moves yeah. on? I mean, he can still beat a lot of guys at 154. I mean, a whole mm-hmm. lot of guys. He's still, what, top five in that division. I've been saying sure. for a while that 154 isn't really that stacked as people made it out to be, but he's still going to be an elite fighter in that division. Okay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. He's going to have more exciting fights now because his legs, he's not good enough to just move away the way he wants to anymore. So, Right, no, that makes us. it much more interesting. <laughs> yep. 
All right. Well, then with that, we'll just move on to uh, the next fight down on the list. And by down, I mean shitty. Uh, <laughs> um, we had uh, the penultimate uh, fight on Showtime this past Saturday was Caleb Truax versus James DeGale, which was a rematch. Uh, and it was a 12-rounder for Truax's IBF super middleweight title. Uh, and in that, James DeGale uh, walks away with a unanimous decision over Truax. Uh, but I thought, Victor, that uh, James DeGale looked extremely unimpressive and very flat against uh, a guy who's known to be pretty much a middle-of-the-road journeyman. Uh, and this is the second, the second fight in a row against the same opponent where DeGale is just kind of looked like crap. Uh, what, what, what did you make of the fight and DeGale's performance uh, more specifically? Mm, I don't think Truex is considered a journeyman. I think it's a step above that. Beating him means that you're at least title contender status. But mm-hmm. uh, DeGale has not really looked impressive at all since the Jack fight. And you can even say before then, he was having tough fights with guys that on paper he should not be having tough fights with. That's just who DeGale has been for a while. Right. I consider him to be like, the least impressive Olympic gold medalist I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's not an unfair, uh, what do I want to call that? Um, my vocabulary is lacking today because I'm starving. Um, <laughs> I apologize to you and everybody listening. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's unfair to, 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 you know, call him that or, or to say that about him. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, he was really flat, and I mean the fight was, it was full full of holding and headbutts, uh, and I know DeGale yeah. was was docked a point later in the fight for for some some of that shit. Um, well, no, he got a point taken away because of the shoulder, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was, he was pushing off to the shoulder. Yeah, but it was it was I mean it, there was so many there was so many head collisions and and then yeah. I, I mean the, I think the the ref ruled that 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 really bad headbutt. Or that cut that DeGale got is uh, ruled as uh, being from a punch, which was yeah, clearly not the case, punch. especially right. after you saw the replay. Yeah, I just thought, what the fuck? But this this fight, Victor, I after the first, I think the second or third round, that was when my wife came in and found me kind of like, uh, no, I don't want to say slumped over, like I had a heart attack, but like, uh, you know, it's kind of nodding off, and my head was over to the side and down, and. She's tapped me on the shoulder, hitting me, going, hey, wake up and go to bed. Wake up and go to bed. Watch this tomorrow. And I thought, no, I want to get the shit out of the way because it was bad enough to put me to sleep, you know, after a long day of, you know, exercise at the gym and whatnot and and playing with my kids. It was like uh, I really had to fight to stay awake. And, you know, I went back and watched highlights, too, because I know I missed, you know, 10 seconds here, 30 seconds there. But, God, what a dreadful fight, man. You know, and then to make it worse, uh, before the fight, uh, backstage, I think Jim DeGray, uh, Jim DeGray, Jim Gray, excuse me, was interviewing James DeGale, and uh, DeGale said, you know, he was going, he wanted to, re- or he would retire if he lost to Truax again because he he believed he was on, you know, a level or two above Truax. Um, and then after the fight, Victor, James DeGale was quoted as saying, "I told you when I'm fit and injury free." People will find it hard to beat me. I showed some heart this time. In the first fight, I wasn't fit. I was like a little kid. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, given the nature of that fight and how he won, you know, or the manner in which he won, and, and the, you know, how he, how unimpressive he looked against Truax, I, I don't know how you can really count. I mean, it's a victory, but I wouldn't. It's not something I'd go out and celebrate. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, he did yeah. not look like a guy that was a level above his opponent yeah. that night. Yeah, it looked like an Where's evenly matched. Uh, yeah, there was a... Uh, they were! I remember the 117, 110, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, there was some weird scoring going on all night, but or I thought at least, uh, but... Yeah, and this fight and the fight preceding it, uh, the scores were definitely fucked up. The 117-110, um, you know, speaking speaking metaphorically, I don't know how the fuck that happened. I mean, what was that guy watching? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, your, what's your take on that? Do you think the, the, you know, the fix was in, as they say, or it was just, you know, bald incompetence? Hmm. Yeah, the fix, definitely. You I mean, think, you think this was like, trying uh, yeah, because if you think about it, this was like a Mayweather promotions fight, or like he was the co-promoter or something like that. I forget exactly what his hand in it was, but he was involved sure. in some capacity to it. And Mayweather seemed like he was trying to get DeGale on his team at one point. So it's interesting that DeGale is the guy that gets that huge push with the scorecards, considering <laughs> that Mayweather was involved in this, you know, or that Mayweather yep. wanted him on his team, basically. So um, that would not, not be... It. That's not an unsound, uh, unsound, uh, my vocabulary is off again. That's not, definitely not an unsound thing to say. Uh, I, I, I wondered the same myself to, to some degree. Um, and given the, given the fact that we had, uh, Adelaide Bird on the, on the, judging the fight before this, you know what I mean? It just, it, it's a bad look all around when I see scores like that, uh, and you know certain certain judges or referees working certain fights or at certain locations. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, she scored. Uh, let me go down just to digress for a moment. Oh no, no, you know what? She she worked the uh, Angulo uh, Mora fight and oh, had a okay. really fucked up scorecard. I apologize. I'm way off my game today. Uh, it's just because I haven't eaten since like eight o'clock this morning. Um, and I'm hypoglycemic, so it fucks me up. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I know better, but I'm a big boy. I have to, you know, play with the big boys, pay with the big boys kind of thing. It's my fault. But anyway, getting back to the to the fight or to the judging, the questionable judging, uh, in the fight preceding this, the Williams-Gallimore fight, which we'll get to in a few moments, Patricia uh, Patricia Morse-Jarman scored at a draw, 114-114, which... I think most of us kind of looked at and said, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Because Williams was clearly the winner in that one. Uh, but jumping back to the DeGale Truax bout, yeah, uh, that 117-110, Victor, I don't understand stand that at all. Um, DeGale was the winner for me. Uh, I didn't have any doubt about that, but 117-110 is an atrocious scorecard. Um, now, to kind of put DeGale under the microscope for a few minutes here, Victor, where... Uh, we know he turned in a really unimpressive performance, but where do you see DeGale going from here, and, and how much of a, a threat is he at 168 to, you know, guys like Groves and and Smith, you know, and, and even Benavides, you know what I mean? I think the smartest thing for him to do is to fight Groves at super middleweight in the U.K. and use that as his retirement fight, and yeah. Groves is definitely going to beat him. If you want the most money that is the ideal matchup for him or I guess use DeGale as like a benchmark for other fighters or something like that. Have him fight my boy Benavides and have Benavides beat him. But I don't see DeGale leading anybody at the top tier at 168 right now. 
I just yeah. think he's done, man. You don't think you don't think he could beat Callum Smith? <laughs> I mean, we'll see how Callum Smith looks in these finals, but if finals, yeah. If Smith is able to win that, then no, I don't think the kill is going to beat him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I, I kind of looked at Jimmy DeGale, uh, you know, after the fight, and I thought, man, you know, this. What else is there for this guy to do? I mean, he was never really the the elite, you know, or great fighter that he was sold to us as. Uh, he was just kind of an okay, you know, very good or good fighter. Um, he never really, he never really reached that that pinnacle that so many thought he might. Um, uh, like given that, I, was I, just weird though. Like he was a guy that in his matches he would show that he was pretty fucking good or like great even. But then in those same matches he would have moments where it was tougher than it should have been. It's basically right. like the Norris thing that I talk about where he's he's great, but he'll make a lot of fights harder than they should be. Only DeGale would always do this. Linares does doesn't do that all the time. DeGale did do that pretty much all of the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I saw the same things you did in him throughout throughout his career up to this point. Um, I kind of hope, you know, I don't want to see any fighter take permanent damage or, you know, have a horrible life after they leave the sport. So I hope, you know, like you said, I hope there's something some kind of big cash out for DeGale, you know, and whether they use him as a, mm-hmm. as a measuring stick or a, a gatekeeper or, you know, he gets a big, uh, you know, another fight with Groves at some point, uh, hopefully soon down the line. Cause I think DeGale's 32 now. And it's, you know, like my eye doctor always tells me when I complain about my, you know, my prescription or my eyes getting worse every, every year I see him, he's like, well, you know, it's not going to get any better from here. You're just going to, you're just going to continue to do to decline. So, you know, it's not like he's, you know, if he's in his prime, which I don't think he is, his physical prime is definitely at the very tail end of it there. So, you know, there's nowhere to go but down, in my opinion, for James DeGale. Um, so with that said, uh, let's just move on to the J-Rock versus Nathaniel Gilmore fight. Uh, that was a 12-rounder for the uh, IBF Junior Middleweight Eliminator. Uh, and the winner of that uh, became... Um, oops, I'm skipping around here. Sorry about that. Um, uh, J Rock actually won that fight in one of his, uh, in the first of his biannual appearances, uh, and that fight, Victor, was absolutely dreadful. Uh, and Williams won a majority decision in that, by the way. Um, and again, uh, the scores were 116, 112, 117, 110, and that was a Max DeLuca scorecard. And then Patricia Moore's uh, Jarman uh, turned into 114, 114 draw, uh, which really makes me scratch my head. Um, now, I don't want to spend too much time on this fight, Victor, because it was absolutely awful. Um, this one was... I wasn't falling asleep yet at this point, but it was... I remember there were there were several more moments throughout the fight where I thought, man, do I really need to watch this right now? Is there anything else I could or, or, or should be doing? Um, what did you make of the performance, especially... Uh, or the fight, and, and you know, specifically looking at uh, J-Rock's performance... I'm actually not mad at the draw scorecard. I mean, when you have a fight where the referee has to get involved like every 10 seconds, you don't really have a whole lot to go by in the rounds. And okay. at that point, I I don't really care what you do. I'm not going to fault you as a scorer for doing anything at that point. Just go ahead and write down whatever. You don't have a whole lot of data to go by. <laughs> but right. for this fight, I I didn't like it. It's kind of hard for me to even say how good J-Rock is. To me, J-Rock hasn't really been the same since his match against Charlo. He did show me that he can at least take a punch, though, because Gallimore has a whole lot of power, Mm -hmm. and 
he did, J-Rock, he did get cracked a couple of times, but he didn't go down or even look like he was about to. Right. So that's a plus for him. But J-Rock just hasn't looked the same to me since that fight. He hasn't looked the same in his E.J. Smith fight. He didn't look the same in the Conley fight. I just J-Rock is a guy that at 154 had lost maybe like in all his opponents, lost maybe three rounds. Right. And then he fought Charlo and the rounds where he didn't get knocked down, he was winning, but he did get knocked down by a jab and then stopped later on. And <laughs> it hasn't been the same since then to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me, like the expectations no. of him were gone down or, or like too high or something, no. but to me, he has not looked the same. Well, just to kind of put things in perspective as it pertains to Julian J rock Williams, Victor, um, there was a point in time and it wasn't too long ago, just, two or three years back where everyone, you know, everyone was real high on the guy when he was coming up and everyone, I remember, I remember reading a ton of comments on Twitter and on Facebook and and even talking to some people on the phone where they thought, man, when this guy matures and he moves up to 160, he's going to be the guy to give Golovkin problems or even beat him. And I just thought, the people that say shit like that don't even understand what makes Golovkin good in the first place. They don't know anything about boxing techniques. So, Right, and and it was so it was and it was so early in J Rock's career. I thought, well, how are, how are you able to ascertain that? You know, based on the fights he's had so far against you know questionable opposition at times. You know, it's just like you know, I don't know. But to to kind of bring it forward a little bit here, um, you, I agree with you 100. percent It's not just you, Victor. Uh, ever since the Charlotte fight, uh, J Rock has, to me at least, he's looked gun shy at times. Um, he doesn't seem as effective. He doesn't, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like he moves as well or as sharply as he once did. Um, you tell me because you've actually boxed. Um, if you suffer a big knockout defeat like that, especially one that you're, you know, you're not expecting to lose in that manner, can that not only make you gun shy, but can that make you like kind of just kind of take your head out of the game and make you so fearful or afraid that you kind of shut down or perform it like, half speed, so to speak? Yeah, it's a psychological thing. It's not like neurological yeah. because he didn't take sustained beating. If sure. he got back in the ring like a fucking week later, which obviously wouldn't happen, then you would be looking at neurological damage where his reflexes are complete shit and things like that. But mm-hmm. that's not going to happen in this modern era of boxing, so it's all psychological. But yeah, you're thinking like, oh, I could get caught again, or like, oh, right. I could get hurt again like that, and you just end up slowing down, can't pull the so trigger, can't take advantage of certain openings that you see in front of you. That's a pretty normal thing. So would it be fair of me to say, or anyone to say that in like a scenario that, that, that J rock found himself in against Charlo a couple of years ago, uh, that they kind of takes their head out of the game or they think they're thinking too much in there about the wrong things rather than fighting or reacting. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and also, it is a good thing what they're doing, though. They're basically in the rehabilitation stage for J-Rock. And sure. putting him up against a guy that has a lot of power is pretty good because it should help build his confidence back up. I remember at one time we had a show, and like you asked me, is it important to even like have these fights like this after a guy gets knocked out? And mm-hmm. it is very important. And this, if we see J-Rock improve after this, then that will be why, is to build the guy's confidence back up and not have him be gun-shy, you know? Right, right, right. Right now, can that? Uh, I gotta ask you too because uh, you're. I think you're the only boxer that I've I, I've ever known, or like on a personal level. Um, can a guy like J Rock or anybody that's been you know suffered that psychological like 
the psychological effects of a knockout, can that can that be eroded by these tune-up bouts or they get their confidence back and they take one heavy shot? Can that like that fear come rushing back into a fighter's mind where all of a sudden they'll clam up and stop throwing? It could, but again, it's all about your confidence. If you accept it as something, because like anybody can be knocked out. You have to like get it in your sure. head that that could happen to anyone and that you are who you were before that knockout even happened. Like once you have that in your mind, then you should be all right. Once you get back in the habit of like, oh, it could happen again. I mean, granted, it could happen again. But once you get in your mind that it's going to happen again, then you've already lost. Confidence is very right. important. And these fights help build up your confidence. And we may see J-Rock go back to who he was before we may not we don't know that's why we fight the fights i'm just right. to see where he goes from here though yeah that that's actually my next question for you um given the kind of tepid nature of his, the last few fights he's had um where do you think he's going to go next and uh you know how do you think he fares i mean he became the mandatory i think for jared hurd so uh-uh. if 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 uh-uh. if, if, if if Heard if Heard came straight at Williams, I mean, is is Team Williams going to take that fight, or is uh, are they going to go uh uh-uh, uh like you just did? You know, we yeah. want to go over here. You know, what I mean, yeah. we want to stay nah, away from 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 yeah. one Jared Heard for another year or two. You know what I mean? Yeah, you leave that monster alone. You you don't want to go anywhere near that right now. And that is, it's not just because like J Rock's the better boxer here, but Heard is too goddamn big, sure. too big. Too fucking relentless. That is not the move you want to make right now. Fight Trout, and though. especially yeah, especially well, especially if Williams hasn't recovered psychologically, and you you, you know I, I'm sure he's familiar with what Hurd's done. You know what I mean? And of the fighter yeah. himself. So yeah, yeah, I could definitely see him going for yeah, you know somebody of uh, that maybe doesn't hit as hard or isn't quite as big. You know what I mean? Or in t- physically intimidating as Hurd. Um, but where did you say you wanted to see him go? Trout, Austin Trout. Trout? Ah, do you, I don't... Yeah, I... At, when you first said that, I thought, no, Trout's kind of washed. He's older now. He's kind of like in the same boat as Laura, you know, where those... They relied a lot on their reflexes and their legs and, and feet to get him, you know, to, to, to win. Uh, but given the obvious state of J-Rock's, J-Rock's psyche, uh, that actually isn't, I don't think, is a bad matchup. Uh, now, do you think that happens? Do you think that's likely? I don't know. I can't predict what those mm. guys do at all. They, I don't. They don't make sense to me. Like yeah. they have so many tools to make good fights, and they just don't. They're kind of getting away from it right now, I think, because like the Lauren Hurt fight that made sense. It was a good unification fight. Um, mm-hmm. They've done a couple of other things recently that are not terrible decisions, but still, that's not enough for me to go out and say, all right, they're going to do the right thing here and put the right guy against the other right guy, but. Yeah, it's too bad. It's it's too bad we can't get a a a World Boxing Super Series 154 tournament. Like, I think it's it's prime for that right now. But But uh, really, I wouldn't even say that right now. 154, we really just have Heard and Charlo and what? What else are the big fights there? uh, Heard, Charlo. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty. I, I say that just from the. From from the from the viewpoint or from the aspect that a lot of these guys are may may want to avoid each other or or may end up avoid, avoiding each other for a long time, and I don't want to see that happen. Tournaments, you know, put guys in there and make them fight. Um, yeah, I mean at the same yeah, time, yeah, I, I get what you're like saying. Two, 
Yeah, like it's just two guys. That's not like tournament worthy to me. Yeah. Well, it's kind of I look at heavyweight the same way. I would still like to see a tournament there, even though only two guys really matter in that division. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You know, that that's valid. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where where they take J Rock next. I definitely don't think they steer him towards uh, Hurd or even Charlo. Um, uh, maybe maybe Trout. Uh, but yeah, outside of Trout, I I don't know, man. I guess we just have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I will say this about J Rock though. I've always liked watching him work, and I do want to see him do well. Yeah, you know, he's a. I think he's a fine boxer. I I mean, I I don't think he's ever going to be you know on that elite elite marquee level, but uh, he's definitely somebody that that you know is is worth watching uh, when he's when he's not turning in the performances that he has lately. Um, hopefully, he can you know, get past that, that, that knockout because it's still clearly haunting him. Um, because like you said, he didn't take the, you know, at least not that we know of, he didn't, he didn't sustain any neurological damage up from the Charlotte knockout. So, oh man, perfect timing. I've got the hiccups. Um, before we move on, Victor, to news and notes, uh, I want to remind our callers uh, that they are our listeners, excuse me, that they can call in and talk to us about anything boxing related. Uh, that number to or the number to use is six five seven three eight three zero three nine one. You can also tweet your questions at me at at split the boxing or at Victor at seven five seven Vic at any time, and we'll uh, read those on the air. Uh, so let's move on to news and notes. Uh, in the first uh, bit of news, um, Michael Montero actually interviewed uh, M- uh, Murat Gasayev and Abel Sanchez at the summit uh, and confirmed that win or lose, uh, Murat Gasayev will be moving up to heavyweight after the uh, World Boxing Super Series uh, final against Alexander Usyk. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, Victor, uh, because I know you, you're kind of a fan of Gossayev, too, and he's pretty impressive. Uh, how do you think he fares at, at heavyweight? Do you think he's as successful? Well, this is actually old news. They've been saying that for a while, that both Usyk oh, and Gossayev after the tournament are going to move up to heavyweight. This is We've known uh, this since the tournament started, well, I think. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. I think we knew that that Usyk w- uh, was definitely going to move up, but uh, and there was rumors of Gossayev possibly moving up, but... Uh, uh, it was confirmed in that interview. That was the first confirmation I'd actually seen. Uh, where, no, where man, they've came... been saying this for a minute. Really? See, I, yeah. I, I had never seen I had never seen that come out of Gasev's mouth until I watched that video. So uh, that was pretty interesting. But what do you what do you think? Um, I think we've talked about Usyk's uh, uh, effectiveness at heavyweight a couple of times. Uh, but wh- how do you think Gasev does up there? I don't know. I mean, like at this. The heavyweight division right now is really fucking weird. I go two ways with it <laughs> because these guys are big. Joshua Wilder, they're big, tall guys. Yes. But at the same time, their technique isn't great. So I always go back to thinking like, all right, so I'm I'm a big guy on technique. If you don't have good technique, I'm not even going to consider you a good boxer. And I'm always going to think that you're going to lose when you're up against a better technician than you. So sure. from that perspective, then guys like Usyk or Gassiev, especially Usyk, are going to do very well at heavyweight because they're technically sound enough to be able to get past that size disadvantage. Then on the other hand, weight classes exist for a matter. Size definitely matters. So will they be able to climb that mountain, get over that hump, and beat these guys? I I don't know. Gassiev, I feel like the way he boxes, I think he'd have less of sex Wow, success! Good job. More, less success. <laughs> hey <Yeah>. now, <laughs> yeah. because like a lot of his 
defense relies on that high guard that is pretty like impenetrable pretty much. But if you're up against the bigger, stronger guy, you can't do that the same way because they're going to break through that guard. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, but yeah, they definitely it's, I, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. I, I and I'm kind of with you on that. I, I was giving it some thought. You know, I, I wrote that bit of news down earlier or late last week uh, and I didn't get to cover it on last week's show. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that Gossev probably has some success against the smaller heavyweights. I, God, it's so hard. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, you know, a good, a good big man beats a great little man in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually tr- the true, you know, that usually rings true, uh, with a few notable exceptions, but, uh, I, I can't see Gossev. I mean, I, obviously against Joshua, I would pick Joshua just because Joshua is this, like, hulking mass coming at you, you know what I mean, with all kinds of power in both hands. Um, that jab, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Against Wilder, I think Wilder is too lanky and long, and, and, and maybe not. So, maybe Gossev might be the stronger guy, like, physically, but I just I, – I, I just uh-huh. I actually like his chances against Wilder because all the Wilders sure. are a whole lot – bigger, longer. Wilder doesn't use his reach correctly. And he also makes so many mistakes that I'm pretty sure Gassiev could punish. I like his chances think, against Wilder more than I like his chances against Joshua. Oh, of course, of course. Me too. Now, do you see in a in a, in a hypothetical uh, Gassiev-Wilder matchup, do you see Gassiev making Wilder pay for, uh, you know, when he misses and launching one of those gnarly uppercuts he has? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of how I, I I see it too. The size would always bother me going into that match, but I think Gossayev has a lot of talent and is fundamentally much more sound than Deontay Wilder. Um, but yeah, man, I I it's something I gave a lot of thought about over over the over the weekend. Um, I'll tell you this though, depending on how Pavetkin does against Joshua, that will tell me a lot about how I see the. Gassiev Joshua hypothetical matchup going. I know they okay. don't fight the same, but it will tell me. It'll help me paint a better picture of it in my mind. Right now, it's all hypothetical right now. I just wanted to talk about it a bit and get your thoughts because it's it's an interesting thing because both Gassiev and Usyk, regardless of whether they win or lose the the final next month, both guys are extremely talented and they're exciting to watch. Um, you know, to different degrees. Um, but it's always interesting because not every cruiserweight that moves up has success, even the really good ones. Uh, Evander Holyfield be, being the prime example of somebody who did have a lot of uh, success. Um, but, and he didn't uh, do it against guys this large, if you think about it. This is a right, right, right. territory. Right. And then, and then, and then uh, I think of like Roy Jones Jr., you know, in his prime moving up and, and taking on uh, John Ruiz. You know, I mean, Ruiz was seen as the – the weakest title holder at the time, you know, so it was smart mm-hmm. for, for Jones and his team to target him. But, you know, I, I mean, even Jones, he's a big guy, especially everybody's big compared to me, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think even somebody with the, with the skill and the talent that Jones had in, back in the day would have a lot of success or a lot of success um, against, you know, like the quote unquote super heavyweights of the modern era. It's just, those guys are so huge, man. You know what I mean? And even even somebody with power, I, I wonder somebody with, with, with the power of like like Mike Tyson or Ernie Shavers who hit like a motherfucker, you know, when you're when you're when you're two thirty and you're punching a guy that's two fifty, two seventy, you know, and six 
six or six seven, it's like how much of that power, you know, from cruiserweight oh. comes up to heavyweight. You know what I mean? Nah, actually, the human body is basically like a glass cannon. Like anybody can be knocked out. Like once you go above, once you at like light heavyweight and above, the, uh-huh. everyone has power. Like you can okay. definitely knock those guys out. That's not a factor there at all. So 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 could Golovkin conceivably get in the ring with like Anthony Joshua and land one lucky shot and and drop him? Is if, that possible? If it was the type of thing where we're looking strictly at power, if we're looking at like as sure. hard as Golovkin hits, could Golovkin knock out Anthony Joshua? If like Joshua were to let Golovkin get off a free shot, then yeah, Golovkin probably yeah. could do that. Like anyone could. Right. Well, I've seen that in MMA where uh, those gigantic guys, I always think of Bob Sapp, <laughs> um, you know, the guy's like seven feet tall and he's 500 pounds of muscle. And then this little guy gets in there and, and, you know, drops a kick to the chin or a punch to the side of the head and they're out, you know, or they drop. So, and I've seen that in the street fights too, you know, in both in, in, in real life and on YouTube. So yeah, I, I guess, I guess, I guess that makes sense. Um, and I guess we'll have to wait and see because I, I think even after the final next month, even if they fight, you know, in, in late summer or in early fall, whenever the, both of those guys make their move up, uh, it's not going to be against, you know, anybody with a marquee name. You know, it's not going to be a Joshua or a Wilder uh, or probably even somebody on Povetkin's level. Um, I think they'll take their time and, and, and try to do it right, and they'll be cautious. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, now, the next bit of news, Victor, uh, was something I, I was really looking uh huh. Go ahead. On. I think for Usyk, I think you could fast track him to it for Gassiev. I'd let him get a little bit more experience because Usyk, because it was Olympic gold medal, he was the only like bigger guys at some point. We have seen him against like huge guys before. We haven't really seen that with Gassiev. So for Usyk, I think all right, you've done this before. Maybe it hasn't been in a while, but you have done this. We can at least put you up against like a big baby Miller for your first fire. For Gassiev, though, I want him to right. fight somebody just on a lower tier than that. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 definitely sound advice. I know probably how it plays out too. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> I guess we just have to wait and see again because you know what, fall or late summer at the earliest, which is still a ways away. Um, but moving on, Victor, uh, I wanted to talk about kind of the, this this clusterfuck that Canelo has created by by uh, yeah. a, a, quote unquote allegedly uh you know using performance enhancing substances and then dropping out of the the Cinco de Mayo, de Mayo fight or rematch against Golovkin um I know Golovkin's on the hunt for his next you know quote unquote victim and it will be a victim because it's not going to be anybody of you know uh, uh, uh you know anybody on Canelo's level or on, even on close to Golovkin's level um because mainly because I think they're going to play it safe and keep that the rematch in September you know, a guarantee. Um, but they were looking at a kid, Victor, named Jamie Munguia. Munguia? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. This kid comes out of Mexico. He's 21 years old. He's a junior middleweight. Uh, he hasn't had a fight at middleweight yet from what I could find. Um, and he was the front runner for a day or two, I think, maybe a little bit more. Um, and thankfully, I'm so happy the Nevada Athletic State Commission Regardless of the reason they rejected him, ended up rejecting him as an opponent, and they wouldn't approve him. Um, uh, how did you feel about that when when you read that he was the front runner to to replace Canelo? Very very strange, and it's out of character for yes. Golovkin to want a match like this. So I'm thinking that there are things going on that we don't fully no. understand. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. because 
like I said, this is just out of character for Golovkin to want to fight a, what, 21-year-old prospect from a lower division. That has never, yeah. ever happened before with him. He's always going to like, go at the top of the list and like go down from there. Because, like, all right, number one guy won't fight me. Number two guy, all right, you won't fight me either. All right, number three guy, okay, shit, you won't fight me either. Number four. Like, that's his training. Right. That's the line of right. thought that he has. Like, going right. to another division and picking a guy that's not even the fucking top five, that, no. That's, even on like, yeah. a short notice, I don't understand what this is. Well, I was upset primarily with it when when Dan, uh, Dan Raphael broke the news, or at least his reporting was the first that I saw. Uh, and I thought, I immediately I went to BoxRec because I was eating lunch. Uh, mm-hmm. So I popped up box rec on my phone, and I looked up, I looked Jamie up, and I saw 154, and I could totally tell he was just a prospect. And I thought, 21 years old. My mm-hmm. first thought was, this kid's gonna, this kid. There's a serious risk of this kid's career ending before it even begins. I mean, even Definitely. in decline, even in decline, and the last thing to go is a fighter's punch. We all know that. But even in decline, Golovkin is like dangerous he's a fearsome fearsome opponent for anybody even somebody you know young and strong it's not even just the power if you're 21 years old you're very inexperienced at this level Golovkin is not he knows how to hurt you you don't know how to deal with something like that and and there were a lot of people Victor yeah at 21 and there were a lot of people Victor on on in the Twitterverse that were you know talking about what if what if Jamie doesn't get knocked out in the first or second or even third round but takes a sustained beating over you know 10 or 11 rounds before Golovkin you know exactly. Golovkin put them away or if Golovkin's job is to carry Jamie you know to get some rounds in or to make you know whatever for what you know, we all know how the politics of boxing play out so I won't go into that but for whatever reason Golovkin decides to carry this guy you know what I mean delivers this killer beating and then the guy's career is over or you know or worse wow. you know what I mean if you're carrying someone, you're not really delivering that that kind of beating because that's that's like the but opposite those, of what you're trying to do. Right. But yeah. But I get but, your point. but those punches, those pity pat punches, still still you know when there's enough of them, you know like they always say with Usyk, going back to that for a second, he's not the heaviest hitter, but you know those taps, those love taps over 12 rounds, add up. You know what I mean? They hurt. They do damage. So you know uh, that was the main my main concern or my main point of contention with. Uh, Mungia, or however you say his name, uh, being a replacement for Canelo. Um, now I I understood the whole we want to replace a Mexican with a Mexican another Mexican fighter because it's Cinco de Mayo, blah 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 blah, whatever. But I tweeted out I don't know whether or not you saw it, but I said shame on Tom Loeffler, shame on Gennady, shame on uh, uh, Abel, shame on the ne- any network that picks us up or or HBO, you know, shame on everybody involved for being an enabler. This is this all of that was the whole thing was wrong. It was bad. Um but again, uh the Nevada Athletic State Commission uh rejected him as an opponent for Golovkin just a couple of days ago or a few days ago. Um now I'm seeing again in the front runner, at least publicly as Gary or Spike O'Sullivan as he's more commonly known. Um I don't know Gary. Yeah, I think yeah it is Gary. From what That's I saw, I, I've always I thought his first name, yeah I thought his first name was Spike. Yeah, I've always known him as Spike, but uh, you know, in his in his, his beard or his sense. mustache. Yeah, like Spike isn't a very common name, so it does make more sense that it's actually Gary right. Spike is the nickname, as you know, Spike usually is. But shit, huh? Right. Now that makes sense, Victor. But let me ask you: Does a, a, a fight with Golovkin make sense, given the you know the nature of? You know they're they're looking for an opponent on f- three to five weeks notice. You know Canelo pulled out all this horse shit mm-hmm. going on around the fight. Does Spike make more sense than someone like Jamie? 
obviously. I mean, Jamie shouldn't even be like they should not even allow that fight to happen. For right, Spike, and they didn't. Say that, well, <laughs> yeah, for Spike, you know, say, all right, this guy's a middleweight. All right, this guy did just beat Antoine Douglas up pretty fucking badly. Who was a, uh, I mean, he's not like elite. He's not top tier or anything like that. But people were no, pretty no, high no. on Antoine Douglas at one what? point before the right. before the city loss. So yeah, this is an it's an okay fight as a replacement. It is still you have to understand we don't have a lot of options here anyway. Saunders is injured. Right. He's not going to fight again until June. You got a. I guess your only option but, is really like Andrade and Jerry Yipinchenko because Jacobs also right. has an opponent. Charlotte has an opponent. Like everyone is tied up right now. Right. Now, here's the thing, Victor. Uh, shortly before we went on the air today, while I was doing show prep, I'm always, I always have Twitter open on my phone or on whatever computer I'm working on. Um, and uh, the first person I saw it from, just to give them credit, uh, was Raging Babe, Michelle. Um, she tweeted out that there was talk or whispers of the fight leaving Vegas and coming out here to Southern California uh, and going over to the StubHub Center in Los Angeles. Um, I went right to a couple of my sources and asked, have you guys heard anything about this? And every single one of them, I went to three of my top sources, said, what are you talking about? Like, who said this? So I told them, and they said, let me make some phone calls, let me write some emails, yada, yada, yada. And... Uh, I only heard back from one of them before I was, you know, it was time for us to come on the air. Um, and apparently there's some truth to it. I don't know how much, and they didn't know how much. Um, let, I got to ask you, and then I'll chime in. Uh, how do you feel about the fight leaving Vegas, given the nature of this, all the fuckery that's happened with this, with, you know, with the, the, the rematch that fell through? How do you feel about it coming out here to where I'm at and, and, you know, someone like Spike and, and maybe being taken off pay-per-view. Do you think that's a good move, or, or how do you feel? Golovkin doesn't want this fight in Vegas. He doesn't want to do anything with Vegas. I can tell you that's from the way Vegas has been <laughs> acting towards him. Like, he doesn't sure. want any part of this bullshit. And they're, the paper, if they put anything on pay-per-view right now with Golovkin, it's not going to do well. Because there's no, but there's not an opponent there to make this fight do well. So it's always going to do poorly. This fight should just be on regular HBO. Right, I'm not I, and I, move I, at all. It's a good move to not have them fight at Vegas because I mean, I don't yeah. want to fight in Vegas if I'm Golovkin. Well, when they, when when when, uh, and I agree with you, man. But when when Canelo officially pulled out, and we all all kind of thought he might at some point or would be forced out, um, uh, I I kept asking myself, okay, it's Gennady Golovkin. He's the middleweight champion of the world. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, but it was one of those things where. There's so much business tied up and a lot of powerful people and a lot of money, you know, surrounding surrounding that venue and that city and, and, and even Golovkin minus Canelo. I thought there's no way they can, you know, it doesn't belong in Vegas. It doesn't belong on pay-per-view without Canelo. But I just thought there's no way it's it, Golovkin's not a draw unless he's got the right partner. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is. And, no, Golovkin's a draw. He's just not like. But uh, it's not at a thing where you can let pay per view numbers are already are going pretty fucking down. Like this no, is not yeah. working out that way. There's only like a few guys that can carry a pay per view right now and Golovkin isn't like a bit he's a big name, but he's not like I'll carry this entire thing and get like five hundred thousand buys or whatever. That's not gonna happen right now. Right. Yeah, I just it's 
it's one of the things I thought, man, you need to down, you know, it, you need to, without Canelo in the mix, this fight needs to, to be downgraded a bit. You know what I mean? It, and be moving, you know, to, or, or be moved over to regular HBO. I don't know that that's going to happen. I haven't heard anything about it uh, coming off of pay-per-view. I don't even know that it can, like logistically at this point. Um, I just wonder how well it will sell. I mean, yeah, I mean, guys like us, so, you know, we'll, we'll pay to watch Gennady fight, you know, but... Uh, no, I'm still on my boxing protest. Well, you know, but you know what I mean. Guys like us, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not going to pay for. I would pay for Golovkin versus. I won't pay for Golovkin versus Canelo, no matter how they try to sell that. Yeah. Fucking fuck of a mess when it comes back around in July and August when they start promoting that horse shit again. But like, and this is just all hypothetical. But I would pay um, to watch Golovkin fight like the top guys. You know what I mean? I don't want to see. Yeah, uh, yes, for the for the undisputed middleweight champion of the world, yeah, I, I would shell out fifty, sixty, seventy bucks, or I'll go to the you know the local uh, bar that 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 orders it, the the you know the the one out of a million bars in this country that still airs pay per view boxing, uh, which is a mm-hmm. whole other show all, in of itself. Um, but uh, we'll have to do that when it's a slow boxing week. We can talk about all the all that bullshit. But uh, we might know, have time later on today. Actually, I mean, we have an hour yeah, left. We, Okay, well, we can let me mark that down. Uh, we can get into that later then, or even on another show if things, you know, drag on as they sometimes do. But uh, I'm hoping that it comes to Los Angeles. I only wish, uh, I only wish that uh, it would have done so sooner because I could have saved money. You know what I mean? And made the mm-hmm. trek to to the stub to watch Golovkin. I would love to watch Golovkin before he retires. You know, that's one of those fighters that's kind of like on my. My my boxing bucket list type of thing, you know what I mean? You know, fighters I wish I could see live. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I think I think Spike O'Sullivan would be an okay opponent. Uh, definitely much better than Jamie uh, Mungia or, or Mungia. Um, at least Spike's lost to you know guys like Billy Joe and, and and a couple other guys, I think. But at least he's fought on that world level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not a he's not a prospect. He's you know he's kind of a fringe contender, I guess, for lack of a better term, or even a a high level gatekeeper. But uh, if I want to go down that road, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we have to wait and see. I think they said Golovkin was going to have an, an announcement at some point in the near future. Um, I don't know when exactly that's going to happen. I haven't heard anything. I've asked, and it's kind of fallen on deaf ears because the people that usually know uh, don't know. So I don't yeah. know much, so I guess we have to wait and see. I feel like um, nobody actually knows what's happening with this situation at all. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of I hate to use the word secrecy, um, but I guess it would be better to say uh, Tom Loeffler, uh, Golovkin, everybody involved in this fight. You're right, is keeping everything close to their chest, Victor. There isn't a lot of information leaking out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it's it's very very secretive and and uh, for me, even if they're moving it to to the StubHub Center, let, let's let's make the announcement. I kind of feel like, well, you have what? My birthday is three weeks from today, and the fifth is the weekend after my birthday. So it's like, let's get the fucking show on the road here, guys. You know what I mean? What are you waiting for? You know what I mean? I know I know that there's a lot of rushed business or hurried business, and you know, in the works. On on Loeffler's side of things and on Gennady's side of things and probably on HBO's side of things as well and and whom whomever his opponent might be on their side as well but 
like this is this is a big deal. This is a Golovkin fight, and they're trying to salvage it, you know. And there's a lot of eyes on on what's going on. It's, I I don't understand, and maybe because I'm not a boxing insider, maybe I, I don't work in the business of boxing. You know, I I don't know what's going on, but it, for me, it's like you know, shitter, get off the pot here, guys. Let's 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 tell people who have money tied up in flights and hotel rooms, and exactly. who have taking time off of work or, or, or taking mm-hmm. time away from their family to make a trip to Vegas. Or even if, if, you know, people want to make the trip, you know, for me, it's no big deal. I can drive an hour and a half to the sub-up center and, you know, I'm there and back home. No, same day, no worries. But, you know, other people that have to drive or fly, you know, or, or, or rearrange your plans, you know, they don't want they don't want to find out two or three weeks before they fight. They want to find out now, you know what I mean? So, uh, who knows what's going on over there in, in, in that neck of the woods, Victor, but uh, I hope we get some, some answers and some announcements soon, sooner rather than later, for everybody involved. Um, now, was there anything else you wanted to add to that whole kind of Golovkin-Canelo uh, clusterfuck is the best word I can think of? That whole thing is yeah. just a big, giant mess. Go for it. But first, let me ask you something. Have you seen sure. Tom Loeffler really promote this a whole lot? Like anything regarding this, like as soon as Canelo has to pause over, even like a little bit before then, have you seen him promoting this a whole lot? Dude, you did it again. I, I'm so glad you asked that question. Like that came out of left field. I was totally unprepared. And that's a, it's a good question. Um, you're right. I, I hadn't really noticed or taken notice until you just asked that question that Loeffler has been uncharacteristically kind of. Silence. A whole lot of silence here, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, he's a he's a boxing promoter. He's a businessman. He's got a job mm-hmm. to do, and you want things. You want to keep. You got to keep things under wrap with negotiations until everybody, you know, until everything's signed on the dotted line. Everything's agreed upon. I get it, but yeah, you're right. Ever since that that news broke of the positive tests, mm-hmm. it's pretty been, much all been Oscar, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the damage control, and that's a whole other thing we can yeah. go over too later on Dude, today, I'm or thinking- even in another show. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm thinking that Loeffler, like on Golovkin side of things, that they are not controlling anything at all. I'm thinking that you remember how like the Kovalev Ward two fight Ooh. happened, the rematch. How like yes, Ward's team was the one that was in control of everything. They were open about it. Like we're yes. gonna control everything. I'm thinking that's what's happening here. I don't even think Golovkin has any say on who he's gonna fight next. I think this is still like in contract <laughs> with the Canelo thing, and that would explain why we see like this out of character. Like I want to fight Jamie. Mo- I can't say his name. But like that would make sense. Yeah. It's like an Oscar thing because this none of this seems like Golovkin to me. None of it. Well, you know, and that's true. And, and there, uh, just to play devil's advocate here, Victor, I agree with you on that. I, uh, and I don't even know the, if if the logistics of something like that are, are possible. Yeah, same. But I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've never heard. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I, but I've never heard in the in the thirty three or thirty four years that I've been watching the sport and, and, and in love with the sport, I don't know that I've ever seen it publicly, uh, known, made known publicly that, uh, you know, the, 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 the promotional outfit that a cheating fighter or an allegedly cheating fighter, excuse me, uh, you know, is in charge of the initial promotion, if they retain control like that over the opponent, uh, you know, their, oppo- their guy's opponent, uh, mm-hmm. When their guy drops out or is forced to drop out or is suspended or whatever the case is, I don't know that that that's even allowed or or illegal or what. Yeah, but I guess yeah. I guess if you, I guess if you put it in a contract, Victor, that 
especially, I mean, boxing is a dirty, dirty business. We know that. So I won't go into that too much here. But given the, 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 the dirty nature and the corrupt nature of the sport and some of the power, you know, the power brokers that actually run and control everything, you know what I mean, even above the, 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 the promoter's level, I can see something like that happening. That that was a really good question. I'll have to I'll have to ask on that, and I'll make notes, and and we'll we'll talk about it more on on a future show. But, um, man, that's that yeah, that's kind of fascinating to me, and that's that's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because it's I like said the only earlier thing that makes in the, sense, right? Like when you think about it, it's the only yeah, thing that makes sense. it makes sense um, from not only Golovkin's viewpoint where hey him tom and abel hey well we know we can beat we're confident we can beat anybody but hey mm-hmm. you know you're 36 years old now gennady maybe we want to take a less threatening uh, opponent you know what i mean and if it would be ever you know all the big guys have have shit lined up anyway so he's not ducking anybody you know what i mean i i would never say that about golovkin but Maybe we take a lesser opponent and we preserve that, you know, we make sure that payday in September is still there for us. We minimize risk this time, you know, so that we can hook back up with, with Canelo Alvarez in the, in, the, in the late summer, early fall, and make sure that happens for everybody. Um, and, and I can see a scenario, like I was, you and I were just saying, where maybe the things that Golovkin and Loeffler and everybody signed uh, in making this rematch – Give Golden Boy, you know Todd DeBuff and Oscar total control over who, who and where Gennady fights. I don't know, but I could definitely see that being a thing. That that's a fucking that's a fascinating question, man. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dig deep and, and ask some questions and, and go kind of sleuthing for a bit because I want to know if that's even possible. Um, now I meant to ask you to kind of move the conversation along, Victor, um, with this whole thing with with this whole mess going on around Golovkin and this whole you know failed rematch and per, this, this troubled promotion. Um, it became very clear to me, and I, I kind of feared this when he first got involved with Canelo. But am I wrong, or, or am I seeing things and hearing things? Are, are they are they? Uh, visual and, and auditory hallucinations, or or has Golovkin's career like completely or st- almost completely stalled out? Oh, definitely. They fucked things up a whole lot. I mean, if you think about it, Golovkin was trying to fight Saunders in June of last year, back yep. when the Canelo and Chavez Jr. fight happened. They were like, "Oh no, we're not going to let you do that because you know it might ruin the negotiations for." our fight in September. Now, at that time, their fight wasn't announced, the Golovkin and Canelo fight, and I thought Golovkin was just being stupid to just abide by these rules. But the way that happened tells me that that fight was already just signed and decided upon before Chavez Jr. fight even happened. So, yeah, they were definitely stalling him out. They let him... They made it so that he couldn't get that unification fight that he wanted to be undisputed. They are now messing up his career where he can't take another fight right now. We just don't know what's happening. He can't stay busy like he wants to. So yeah, they are definitely fucked up his shit. Yeah, up, yeah. I, and you know, I don't, I don't necessarily put all the blame on Canelo slash Golden Boy. I mean, Golovkin had to have known. I'm sure yeah. Abel did too, and Abel's kind mm-hmm. of an advisor to him as well. I'm sure his brother knew. I'm sure Max knew. I and yeah, Tom Loeffler definitely knew. Yeah, it was exactly. like well, but I, but I, I would put money on. 
I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in the in the months or a couple of years leading up to that, you know, the the negotiations of that first fight because it was kind of like well, Gennady probably thought, well, I can beat this guy, you know what I mean? I'm sure he looked at Canelo and thought, well, I got I got this, I'll handle this guy, and then you know because I'm sure Tom said or Abel said or somebody said. You know, Gennady, if, if if we do this, you might get tied up with this guy for years. You know, in rematches, in disputes, and all this other horse shit that, that's basically come to fruition. Um, and now Golovkin is stuck. Even though the guy, if, if what you said or the question you asked me turns out to be true, Victor, he's stuck with, with another promotional entity telling him how and who or how, when and where and whom he can and can't fight. So, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you, you go to work for the devil, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you're not even involved with the guy you wanted to fight anymore. And it's possible. And I would even go so far as to say probable that another promoter is controlling your destiny and your paydays. You know what I mean? And your, and your, by that extent, your legacy. So, but yeah, I wanted to ask, I wanted to get somebody else's opinion on, on how they felt about Golovkin's career because um, he's still like my number one, number one guy. Like I, I get, you know, my blood pumps and I get excited as, as soon as I know he's got a fight. And when I hear uh, seven nation army kicking over the, the PA system, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm fucking pumped. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm ready. But like, there, I, I, I won't deny. I, I would never deny that since getting involved with Canelo, like, especially after the first fight and all the bullshit that went on with that, like, there's some of the steam has come off my fandom for mm-hmm. for Golovkin. Like, I'm no longer a fan of Canelo. That's been washed because I believe. I don't know, but I do believe that he's guilty of using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. How long did your fan of Canelo even last? Was it like two months? No, 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 no. I was a fan of Canelo. Uh, I watched him on – this was years ago. I watched him on in uh, the Spanish HBO broadcast. I don't remember who he was fighting. Um, Were you a fan, though? Because I remember, like, we were talking at one point, you were saying, like, well, Canelo no, he, was really that impressive to you. So I felt like you weren't really, like, that big of a fan of his. No, I, I liked Canelo. I, I, I mean, I was always aware of the hype surrounding him and that, that he mm-hmm. he's another one of those fighters that's not really what you know, we're told he is or what he's supposed to be. And now, given, you know, all the allegations surrounding him, I'm more, I'm more inclined to believe that than ever. But um, And I still ask myself, what is what outside of... You know, going the distance with Golovkin, what is what has he really done? You know what I mean? That's of of special note. Um, but yeah, I was I was I mean I'm not a fan. I was never a a fan of Canelo like I, I have been of Golovkin or like I I was of Tyson or Hagler or any of those or even Leonard or any of those you know those those guys. But it was Canelo was always one of those guys that hey Canelo's on okay yeah I'll, I'll make sure I sit down and watch it live you know what I mean uh, okay. he always had my attention it was I wasn't busting out the you know I, like I've got my Golovkin shirt on every time we do this show or one of them you know what I mean it wasn't like I got to rush out and buy the the cardboard cutout of Canelo to put in my office you know <laughs> or hang on you know the one of his fight posters on my wall it was never like that but it was like yeah you know I like Canelo yeah I'll go to watch him fight or hey you know I'll make sure I'm home when he's fighting so I can watch it live you know and you know I wanted to see him push the envelope and be tested um, and we saw what happened when that finally happened but uh, yeah man. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm still a, a big fan of Golovkin. He's still my favorite guy to watch, and I look forward to to, to his fights. But that steam 
that steam that he had moving forward. Guy was fighting three or four times a year, and I know he had uh, the death of his father stalled him out, and then he had a problem the year before after that where it was only he only fought two or three times. You know, shit. I, I don't. I don't. I don't give guys shit when that things like that happen because it happens to all of us. You know, we have to take time off, but. I don't know. I, I'm not as excited to see Golovkin fight this time uh, as I was even when I went to watch him fight Canelo, and, you know, when I went down to the movie theater to watch the pay-per-view. Um, you know, in, in any fight before that, I just, I kind of feel my, my level of excitement just, just not a little more than slightly, just dipping down a little bit as, as time goes on because it's like, I look at him and it's like, okay, now you fight twice a year, which is one of the things I hate most about the sport. Um, because you know they always what do they always say? Oh, they use the the excuse of well, it takes six months to do a properly promote this fight. No, no, it doesn't. You've got and other and I know other people in the media agree with me. I've heard them say it on their own shows. You've got two of the biggest names in the sport. You can promote this shit in two or three months if you really exactly. wanted to, and if the fighters really wanted to. And I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad you agree with me because I've we've seen it happen before. It occasionally happens. You know. It, it, if people are interested in the two fighters and there's good drama there, there's some intrigue there, people are going to watch. People are going to buy. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, good matchmaking overrules or overrides everything most of yeah, the time. Yeah, that whole, like, it's going to take six months to promote this, that was bullshit. They were just waiting on Golovkin to get older because if they really felt that way yeah. that they needed that much time to promote this, they would have a good undercard on the first fight. But they didn't. So the fact that they didn't show us is they know that these two can, like, carry the event themselves. And sure. if you have that, where two guys can carry the event themselves, you know that they don't need six months for you to carry it yourself. You're the promoter. You you don't need six months. You know you don't need six months. Well, look at well look at and a good a good example of that. It's both good and bad. Is the Pacquiao Mayweather fight? You know that pr- promotion was so shitty and so quiet and so brief, but it's still like the highest the highest grossing pay per view or like watch exactly. fight. You know what I mean? And it was I mean regardless of it was the outcome itself. of that fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, when we work, we both, you work in customer service now, and I, I was a customer service rep, manager, supervisor, and executive at one point in my life, uh, and this was like spanning 15 years, and something I'm sure you've heard, you know, in your job, and I heard, and I told people all the time, this product sells itself, you know what I mean, or, or they tell me, well, your company's product sold itself, I, nobody really told me I needed it, it was just so awesome, I picked it up, and now here I am on the phone with you, you know what I mean, it's, it's one of those things, and you're right. A good product, a, a, a good restaurant, good food, anything quality sells itself most of the time. Sometimes, you know, things go awry and don't do as well as they should, you know, or could. But most of the time, that's not the case. But, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, I think Golovkin is – I'm sure he would disagree with me if, if he were to call into the show or I were to talk to him in person. Uh, I'm sure he's very happy with the paydays that he's going to you – know, that he got from Canelo and that he'll – He'll get either either in the fall or next May, but uh, I I think he's hurt his career and 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 by that ex, you know to that extent his legacy uh, to a large degree by even getting involved with Canelo. Um, I just I I don't I I hate to see that. I knew it I knew it when he signed on to fight Canelo that it was going to be he he was going to he was turning into that you know he was going to follow that Mayweather or Canelo or Eric Gomez business plan where you fight twice a year and you don't do much else in between. So. You know, I guess I guess it is what it is. It's boxing, and you know, Golovkin will be here for as long as he's here, and after that, hopefully somebody there'll be somebody else to take his you know that mantle up of that guy you got to see three or four times a year. But you never know. I guess we have to wait and see on that one as well. 
Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to that, man? Well, you actually reminded me of something. You mentioned Mayweather sure. at one point beyond uh-huh. the Mayweather and Pacquiao comparison, but Mayweather's team was actually mm-hmm. shot at recently. His bodyguard was hit. I saw that. Inspected drive-by. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. What what the hell is going on there? I I saw it actually right before. I wasn't going to comment it, comment on it today because I didn't have enough time to read the articles and stuff. I was, you know, doing my prep and, and getting ready to come on the air with you to do our pre-show kind of powwow. And I saw that and I thought, what the fuck is this all about? What's going on? And uh, the only thing that I got out of it uh, before I called into the show and got connected was that uh, the authorities weren't sure if his his uh, bodyguard was actually the target of the shooting or if he was just, you know, an unlucky, you know, an unlucky victim, I guess. It's very rare that a bodyguard would be the fucking target of anything like this, so I'm pretty sure he was just the unlucky victim. Yeah. Uh, do you think they were targeting Mayweather? Shit, maybe. I mean, we don't know who Jesus. else was in there, but who knows, man. Jesus Christ, man. This fucking world we live in, I tell you what, dude. Ugh. Drives me nuts. Yeah, I yeah I don't see anybody get shot, but uh, yeah, outside of that, man, um, there's just a couple of news and notes we have left here. Um, the next one down on the list, Victor was um, I had we had mentioned Adelaide Burt earlier in the fight. She worked the um, Alfredo Angulo Sergio Mora fight, um, which didn't need to happen. Period. Um, but she turned in. I didn't see that one. Who won? Uh, Mora did, and it was a dis- okay. it kind of disputed because uh, I don't I don't really remember. I didn't have time to put the scores down. Uh, I just remember getting word that she had turned in um, an odd scorecard. I guess odd is being is kind of a generous word given who's involved. But um, I'll say this: uh, if you okay. if you have I'm any, the scores, yeah, she's probably the seventy four or seventy eight person. Yeah, if you have any doubts about corruption and boxing being a real thing, I mean, look at Adelaide Bird, people. You know what I mean? You already know this, Victor, so I'm preaching to the choir with you, but anybody that might be listening to the show live or, you know, archived, this is, I mean, this is all the evidence you need to know that this is, this sport is, you know, not entirely corrupt, but has some really bad problems uh, with judges, with referees, uh, and sometimes with fighters as well. I mean, Adelaide Bird f- fucked was was instrumental. She wasn't the mm-hmm. only piece of the puzzle, but she was instrumental in fucking Golovkin over in his in his first fight with Canelo back on September 9th or whatever date that was. Might have been the week after. I don't remember. Um, and it pissed everybody off. It tainted the fight. Uh, it, it made Canelo look bad. It made Golden Boy look bad. And to some extent, it made Golovkin and and, and uh, Tom Lawler look bad because a lot of people thought everybody was in on it. You know what I mean? And this was, hey, we're just setting this up for, you know, we're setting the, the rematch up automatically here. Um, thanks for paying for the commercial, you know what I mean, uh, type of thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Adelaide Bird was, you know, and, and Mike Montero from Montero and Boxing pushed Bob Bennett, uh, the, the, uh, the head of the uh, Nevada Athletic State Commission, um, in the post presser at that fight, and said, you know, who's going to, what's going to be done about this? Is anything going to be, you know, is anybody going to investigate Adelaide Bird? And uh, and Bob just kind of shooed Mike away and and wanted somebody to take the microphone away from the guy uh, for asking a really good question. Um, and then, as we know, nothing happened to Adelaide Bird. She went right back of to work not long after that fight. Yeah, and, and it's like happen. this. This is uh, like Teddy. Everybody gets mad at Teddy Atlas. Oh, he's on his rant. Corruption or incompetence. 
you agree whether you like Teddy or not, whether you like his his, his behavior or not. You cannot deny that it's it's one or the other in this fucking sport. And this, I mean, Adelaide Bird That's is a why prime they took his example. Ass over ESPN. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Adelaide Bird is a prime example of corruption in boxing. I mean, all that shit she did before Canelo and Golovkin won was brushed under the rug, or people looked the other way. You know why people like you and I are screaming on our shows and on Twitter. You know, do something, make the sport fair. You know, make make sure everything's on the up and up. And then she goes right back to work again and again and again. And then she continually turns in these fucked up scorecards, yet nothing happens. I mean, she's not even fucking suspended. You know what I mean? So exactly. this, you know, to Judges all those no people, which is the no, worst you're, thing you're about right. It. You're right. And to, but this is I wanted to bring this up today, Victor, because uh, I take a lot of shit. Well, you don't know. It's not corruption. It's people aren't bad people. Yes, there's a lot of shitty people walking this planet. There's a lot of people that put money and favor and position before anything else. And I know that's the nature of, of I won't say business, just life itself. Unfortunately, you know, it's one of those, those evils that you're never going to get away from um, 100% or even 50%. In boxing, I mean, it's re- it's a real thing. Don't tell me that corruption isn't happening. Don't tell me that that inside and outside interests don't have money in the sport to make sure certain things happen or don't happen with certain fighters, with certain fights, with certain promotions, with certain locations or promoters. It's fucking dirty. And if you go read anything on the history of boxing and corruption... You know what I mean? All the way, you'll you'll find organized crime involved. You'll find promoters involved. You'll find collusion between fighters. You'll find all all kinds of crazy shit. You know, it doesn't always happen all the time, but it happens. So yeah, so don't tell me that corruption isn't real or that it's not happening in boxing. I can't stand that. That fucking to me when people tell me Victor that corruption isn't real or that you guys like you and I are seeing things or that the, the you know certain reporters or journalists that report on it or or just you know they're delusional or not not seeing the bigger picture. Those people are fucking deluded or they're full of shit or they're in on the fix as well because this shit happens and it happens too often. Um, but let's move on and uh, I wanted to talk about uh, something that happened uh, at the. Uh, the, at the, at the, or after the Laura Heard fight, uh, that didn't air on Showtime, but Showtime tweeted it out. Uh, it was a Victor, uh, it was, sorry, Victor. It was a video Victor of, uh, uh, Kilbrook, um, confronting Errol Spence, a very friendly confrontation, uh, where they shook hands and agreed to a matchup at some point in the future. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on a potential Brooke Spence matchup before I chime in with my own. Uh, so I'll let you take have the mic and go at it. I like it. I'm not mad at that matchup. I think if they fight at 154 and Spence is expected to go back down to 147 and defend his title that Brooke wins, if Spence vacates his belt or if he loses in between the time and he doesn't have a belt anymore and he goes up to 154 and fights Brooke, then I consider it about a, a 50-50. It's kind of... I don't know how to feel about Brooke because he has two bad injuries and he's fighting right now, two career-ending injuries, if you think about it, the orbital bone breaks. And I don't know if that's the sort of thing that can actually be fixed or if he's still, like, damaged because of that, you know? I don't know if he's, like, sure. has a high chance of that happening again or what. So I really don't know, but I'm not mad at that matchup. 
You know, it's not the worst matchup, I guess. I guess I guess part of me says, you know what, dude, relax and be thankful he's not fighting, you know, like uh, Andre Berto or, you know, or somebody on that level. You know what I mean? Given mm-hmm. given the nature of how they're moving him and, and things over on, on that side of the fence the last few years have gone. But uh, I, my concern, my concern with the fight is, is, or my questions about the fight is how much does, does, does Brooke have left? I think, I think Golovkin ruined him to some degree. And then when he got the, the his, his other orbital bone, bone broken in the fight after that, I, it's just one of those things where how much does Spence have left for, or not Spence, sorry. How much does Brooke have left? You know what I mean? And how, how credible a threat is he to, to Errol Spence at this stage of the game. Um, I think a few years ago, I think before Golovkin, um, I, I would, I would have jumped all over that, that, that fight or potential fight. Uh, you know, I would be telling you right now, I got to see this, um, because I thought Kell Brook was very, very good, um, at his best. Um, but I don't think, I don't think he is at his best anymore. And I don't think the, the, the two, the, the Golovkin fight and the fight after did him any favors, you know, health or psychologically or psychological wise, psychologically speaking, I should say. Um, but I don't, I don't know that we actually get it next. Um, but we shouldn't. Yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to think off the top of my head who realistically who, who they could or, or might put Spence in with with in lieu of a Brook fight. Uh, I know that, and there's always a part of me, even though I, I know it's completely unrealistic to to expect it. I can't get over wanting Spence and Crawford to fight, even if they do, it's years away. But I, I it's it's so hard for me to get over that because it's like. Right now would be the best time for that to happen, but you know, from a, from a physical standpoint. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who else besides Brooke could you see them putting him in with? Jesse Vargas. Vargas. Wait, doesn't he have a fight? Yeah, I was gonna say if if Vargas wins. Yeah, who does he fight next? Uh, huh. I, um, shit, I had I had it on my notes, and I've got to go back and find it. <laughs> let me look this up on Boxer. Yeah, we're not we're not just for our listeners. We're not actually this ill-informed. Uh, <laughs> Broner, that's to, right. I remember Victor and I now. tend to forget things. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I'm yeah. He will. I, I'm actually. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually picking Vargas in that fight. Same. Um, I, I. Yeah, I, I. Broner's just. Broner had some talent, and I. Uh, Broner's one of those underachievers. I don't think he would have ever been elite level. Per se, but I think he would have been somebody. Is he an underachiever? If you think about it, he's an overachiever. I'm the four weight division champion. Uh, That's overachieving. Well, let's go into let's go into let's go into fantasy land for just a minute here. Let's imagine for a second that Adrian Broner starts his career not with Al Heyman or the PVC, um, but with with a good promo, with a really good promoter. Let's say a, a or a more a more proven promoter, I guess. A uh, more competent promoter with a golden boy with with Tom Loffer, Loffler or with Top Rank, one of the big three there, and and they matched him tough and they had a mentor. Let's say he had a mentor with him the whole time and kept him straight as an arrow. Given his given what we know the the skill set that he had at one time, uh, how high where would his ceiling have been under the right promoter and with somebody to rein him in? Not very how fucking high? high. He would have lost. He's not that good. He was never that good. He was only good when he was a weight bully. He was just well, that a weight bully. That's the only time. Yeah, uh, yeah, he definitely did his his, his best work. Uh, what was that at one thirty that he came in? Mm-hmm. He came in at. 
um, and he's moved up as he's moved up, he's become far less effective. I just I look at a guy like Broner that, uh, yeah, I don't think he was great either, but I, m- the majority of his problems, at least from my perspective, come from an inability to control his behavior outside of the ring. He, you know what I mean? Or maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a psychological thing. I don't know. You know, maybe yeah, it's one of those things where, where his where behavior outside the ring actually helps him. It makes people like care about him. Like, oh yeah, Broner, whatever <laughs> the fuck, and they like care about his matches because of that. If you take right. away his little antics outside of that, there's no reason to even watch him. So that would be even worse for him. Just he's not very good. Overachiever no, is what he is. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, well, I said underachiever initially because I always wonder when I see troubled guys like that or, or you know, athletes with, with, with problems outside of their sport where I think, man, what could this guy have done with the right people around him and the right promoters that are doing good business, you know what I mean? I, I, think, I think Broner may have probably would have definitely fizzled out, you know, I think his talents would only take him so far, but I think uh, had he stayed at 130 or 135 and had the right people around him and stuff, I think he would have done a little bit better than 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 he's done. Um but yeah, I, I can see how you could say he's an overachiever. Um but I I would I would I would come at you come back at you with well just to play devil's advocate. Uh you know, he has for an for an overachiever, he has the quote unquote right promoter and the right people around him because not only do they enable him, you know what I mean, to do what he does outside the ring, so people go, I want to watch this clown fight, you know, or he's at least it's funny to watch him fail, you know what I mean? Like when he fought mm-hmm. Madonna, that was one of the funniest boxing matches I've ever fucking seen in my life. Like I laughed so hard at every aspect of that fight, but like these people enable him and they mat the matchmaking they stick Broner in with guys that they know he's going to beat. They Broner's never been pushed. And he still fucking loses. Yeah. See now now I wonder is he losing because of his his bullshit outside of the ring, his inability to control himself or his unwillingness to control himself, or is it just his talent level is he's just hit that ceiling, regardless of he what he does in or out of not very good. Okay. So to jump back over to Vargas for a second, you think if if Vargas wins, they'll oh. throw him in there? Yeah, probably. You know who I do consider an underachiever though? Who? Demetrius Andrade or Andretti or however. You're really? See, uh, I was never. I, I think he he likes to be called Andre. Uh, Andre. Mm-hmm. Okay. We all called him Andrade because of Lebrado Andrade, and he said, "No, no, no, no. I'm Andre <laughs> or Andrade." Okay. Go for it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, I consider him an underachiever because when you look at his talent level, you're like, all right, this guy could be a champion at some point, and then all the promotional problems, you haven't really seen him in a fight against anybody decent at all, ever. I guess his best opponent is what? Shit, who would be his best opponent be? Mm, I don't know. I'd ha- <laughs> That's a good question. Hmm. We fought Brian. Ro- oh, whatever. Point is, though, that goes on with my point, though. Underachiever in his case, because you're like, all right, this guy has a lot of talent, and you have nothing to show for it in his case. Yeah, yeah. I, I was never. I, I was, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, Okay, Vonis Martirosian. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I was never. Uh, there's obviously talent there. Let me preface this with talent, or or, or with this. I. Uh, Demetrius Andre definitely has talent. I, I won't 
I'm not going to take that guy away from that guy or, or claim that he he's mediocre or anything. I I think I think to some degree I, I, it's fair to call him an underachiever, but at the same time, given who he's associated with, I, I can't help but put that back on his own shoulders. You know what I mean? I mean these guys sign sign the contracts and and, and stick it out. You know what I mean? And uh, I always wondered, and I, it's probably going to be the case long after he's gone from the sport, Victor. I I, I don't think an Andrade uh, Andrade is ever going to be in there with someone like Golovkin or or anyone on that level. I just I, I, he's one of those guys that that's tough to negotiate with. Doesn't fight very often. You know, which means he doesn't get to hone his skills. You know what I mean? And his talents. Um, he's, I, I definitely think he has, he has a, a much higher ceiling than, than what we've seen or where he's at now. But, uh, so from, from that aspect, I think it's kind of a shame that, that he's, you know, promoted by, by the PBC or by Heyman. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was never, I was never, uh, I never thought Andrade was going to be the next big thing, uh, in, in any division he was a part of. Um, but he's definitely good. And I definitely think he could be much better. Um, I don't know. I, I he called out. He said he wanted to be Canelo's replacement. I given given his past, I kind of you know in his track record, I kind of questioned, and so did a lot of other people. I kind of questioned where, you know, how how honest he was being in that. You know, no, it's not. Andrade has always tried to get fights. It's just that his promotional team kind of fucked him over there with the whole dual promotions thing, and he gets avoided. So it's not like he's avoiding other guys. He's being avoided. And he just also okay. can't fight at times. So I don't right. think he's just like saying that for the same thing. I think he legitimately wanted that fight. It's just that it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's <laughs> sadly things like this are, are the norm in boxing. It's it's. I mean, it gives us things to talk about on a show, but or to tweet about. But I, I wish this the sport moved a little quicker and a little smoother. <laughs> just just so that we got you know the fights we wanted and we could see we we could see guys like Andre are, are really made of, you know what I mean? Because like you, you've said it many times and so have I both on the show and online, you can't, you can't really hone your skills or become sharp or, or stay at in top shape when uh, you fight once a year or twice a year, or, you know, once every two years as some of these guys over on the, on that side of the fence do. Um, and even some top rank guys, I mean, God, uh, to Crawford frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, he's 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 largely inactive, and he you know he was uh, you know until he vacated he was the undisputed uh, light welterweight champion of the world. So it's like you know fuck let, let shit off shit or get off the pot here guys, you know. And going back to the 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 World Boxing Super Series tournament, especially the 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 two hundred pound tournament. I mean that thing has come off, and we're probably fortunate in some regards that there's been no injuries and whatnot. But that thing was put together so well that. You know, there, none of that diva bullshit has been allowed to creep in. You know, these fights come off without a hitch, and, and they've all been exciting at, at, you know, at 200. So I just I wish we got more of that than, than what we got with, with what we're getting now in, in most most other, you know, corners of the sport. So I don't know, man. Did you have anything other to add, or did you want to wrap it up early today? We can wrap it up for now. We can get something to all eat. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, my hypoglycemia is really fucking me up. I'm getting starting to get like numb. 
in my in, yeah, in my neck, which which is the first sign that, that, that I'm getting. Yeah, I I don't always take the, the the greatest care of myself, and it gets worse as I get older. So uh, we'll just call it a day then. Uh, Victor and I will be uh, back next week uh, to review and preview uh, this weekend's action, which there isn't a ton of uh, ton of, nor is it overly exciting or important. But uh, we'll be back to do that. Um, this has been episode 19 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Pod. Excuse me, podcast. Um, again, if you have questions or comments, you can t- reach me at on Twitter at, at @splitdboxing or Victor at seven five seven Vic. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash splitdboxing. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, as I just said. Uh, you can revisit or revisit. Sorry, you can visit the revamp, uh, revamped splitdboxing.com website. And if you are so inclined to do so, you can give us all of your money on patreon.com forward slash split deboxing. So for myself, Scott Jarvis, and my co-host, Victor Atkinson, uh, this has been episode 19 again, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Who's going to bust your chops now? Chops now! (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help myself, man. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.